Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And as always, I'm very excited to share today's conversation with you. But first of all, just hoping that all of you are enjoying your summer so far. And don't forget that you can access um, energy of the month videos. I post them every month to give you some insight about the energies that we will experience collectively each month. And that way you can uh, make the most use and have some clarity around um, the energies that we may encounter and how they are supporting you on your path. So if you go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com and sign up for my newsletter, you get free access to Creating with the Moon and Stars where you can see those videos as well as you have free access to 22 Days of Transformation, which supports you on your path of energetic alchemy. So today, though, we are going to have a conversation with Lily Allen Duenas, and she is the founder of Wild Yoga Tribe. Now, this her work was very interesting to me. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I'm sure you've heard episodes where we speak to yoga teachers and practitioners, and you may be practicing as well. Um, what was unique about Lily's work and what you will learn is that she is an international teacher, but she also interviews yoga practitioners from around the world. And so she has this podcast called Wild Yoga Tribe, and she has been um, interviewing people in every, I mean, all different countries. And in fact, she even says if <laughs> there are practitioners that you know that are in countries that she hasn't been able to interview um, through yet to please reach out to her and connect her with those yoga practitioners. But her work is very interesting because um, it really highlights and emphasizes the diversity and inclusiveness of the community within yoga and just the work that we do overall. Um, it really highlights and emphasizes how we, no matter where we are in the world, that a lot of us are practicing similar things and there may be some um, similarity and experiences However, there's also the components of our cultural differences that may also lend and contribute to what it is that we learn through these different modalities, how we understand them, and even inspire us individually to practice or expand our practices in new ways. So you will learn a lot today about Lily's personal path, her journey, um, why it is she focuses on movement and meditation. Don't forget as well, as I mentioned, she has a podcast called Wild Yoga Tribe, where she interviews, you know, yogis globally, but you can listen on your favorite podcast platform, or you can also watch on her YouTube channel. But it was very interesting hearing her point of view, what inspired her to do this work and her point of view about yoga, the practice and how it really is available and accessible meant for all of us and what the benefits may be. So if you want to learn more about Lily and her work, go to wildyogatribe.com. And if you want to follow her on social media platforms, it's the same handle, Wild Yoga Tribe. So that is it for now. I hope that you enjoy this conversation, beautiful alchemist, and I will see you on the other side. 
Okay, everyone. Today on Reiki Radio, we have the beautiful Lily Allen Duenas of Wild Yoga Tribe. And um, first of all, I want to tell you just thank you for having the conversation today. But I'm very curious about your work and what it is that you do. Uh, welcome to the show, though, Lily. Thank you, Yolanda. It's such a joy to be with you. Yeah. Well, one of the things that really struck me as interesting when I was looking at your site and your YouTube and all of these things is how you really do reach out to people globally <laughs> within the yoga community. So I'm curious about how that came about, why that was even an interest, curiosity, what motivated that for you. But first of all, just curious about what led you into this path of wellness and yoga, because you are a wellness coach as well as an international yoga teacher. So what got you started? Oh, wow. What got me started? I think probably like uh, if your listeners know anything about Ayurveda, I'd say what really probably got me started was my dosha. Like I'm very vata dominant and I just have always felt like I have this very busy, busy mind. Like I was eight years old, 10 years old. And I was like, this feels busier than it should be. You know, like I could just know that I felt very, um, like I had a speeding train running through my mind at all times. So what got me into it was that I was always curious. I was always into uh, crystals like that started when I was five. I started going to gem and mineral shows and then I got interested in auras. There's somebody I randomly met. My parents are not hippies. I did not grow up with, you know, meditative Buddhist parents who were eager to kind of shift me into this. I just was curious and was lucky to encounter people on the way. But when I was 10, I did a, a week long meditation course with the YMCA summer camp when I was 10. So that's what really got me interested. And then I randomly ended up in a yoga class when I was 16, a soccer teammate said, hey, at my mom's gym, they're offering this new thing called yoga. Do you wanna go there? And this was before YouTube. This was before yoga was a common household term. Now, maybe some of your listeners, if they're younger, yeah. are like. Oh yeah, really? You didn't know what that was, but <laughs> I mean, there's all these new things popping up left and right. Like maybe back then people can imagine not knowing what Zumba was or not knowing what, um, Qigong was, but anyway, things have shifted. And so I became curious and I got into certain spaces and just felt so different, just so different. Like finally a tool, something to help my mind slow down, my energy align getting out of my head and into my body. And it just was profound. So that's kind of what got me interested on the path is, do you want me to go deeper, Yolanda? Or are we, no, are we I mean, I mean, it's just interesting to hear right away how this started at such an early age for you. I mean, one to even have exposure to meditation at 10 and then yoga at 16. I'm just thinking, wow, imagine, I think now it's probably more common that, you know, children have this type of exposure. But yeah, back in earlier years, like I don't think that would have been a very common thing. So it's very cool and interesting. I can't even imagine what that would have been like to have that exposure at that age. Um, so I have to ask you, though, from there, like what kept you in connection to that work, even at that age? Was it because of what you experienced in terms of, especially with that Vata airy mind, did it help you feel more grounded or was it just that, um, you liked the exercise of it? Like what was it that would have you at a young age stick with it? You know, it wasn't the exercise. And I, I usually, it's a great question. Cause since I also interview yoga teachers from around the world, which I know we'll, we'll chat about Yolanda, yeah. but 
it's so interesting. It was not the exercise at all because I was playing soccer competitively. Like it was six days a week soccer for me and tennis and I love sports, but yoga did not feel athletic to me. Yoga mm-hmm. felt like a moving meditation. Yeah. It felt like this, a, a gentle stretch, right? Of course I could feel something physical, but I could feel more something energetic happening as well as emotionally and mentally. And so, and, and spiritually, right? There was that element that, uh, that played in as well of just feeling really at home. Um, and I know that when I started to get really stressed out, you know, I started mentioning when I was 10, but imagine me at 14 and I'm having drama with friends. Like I'm sitting down on my floor and I'm meditating. Like I'm trying. My dad went on eBay and got me a couple books because, Hey friends, there wasn't Amazon that did not <laughs> exist. Um, yeah. eBay, a couple meditation books. And I just, I'm grateful that both of my parents were always supportive of anything I was interested in. And they had, they weren't interested in this themselves, but it was something they supported. And, I definitely kept cultivating that because I could feel a need to do it. Like, it, it, yeah. I don't, yeah, I guess the need is the best word. It wasn't a desire. It wasn't a, something I was chasing. It was just like, oh, I really need to do this for my health uh, overall. And Reiki also, I'm very lucky, Yolanda, that I had a crush on a boy and his mom's best friend was a Reiki practitioner. And that's when I was probably 14 that I had really bad knee pain from all the soccer and I went to a Reiki practitioner for the first time and my dad's um, he's a piano player he has another piano playing friend whose wife or whose daughter's husband you know it's kind of all connected but was a uh, acupuncturist and I just beyond anything so I was very lucky that some people in my parents circles too or in my friends or the boys I had crushes on circles um, were connected to kind of holistic healing as well so always been in my field and yeah. something that I keep circling around for all my life. No, that is so interesting. And I think, again, I'm thinking like, wow, I think that's probably so common nowadays with how many different um, types of practitioners we have globally, just all across the world. Um, so many practices becoming more accessible, um, more practiced, more understood. And again, very curious to hear about you and your experience with teaching internationally. But first, just even curious with your own path with yoga, did you only um, train and study in one place or did you travel the world to study? And is that what kind of got you into this international teaching? Uh, Good question. So well, I, I started doing yoga, you know, very, very regularly in university after university, I worked in marketing management for seven years, but I could just feel that something wasn't fulfilling, something wasn't right. So I kind of spent a year in Shavasana, like asking that inner wisdom, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, what is this one wild and precious life that I have? What, am, what's my calling? What, I, what, it, what's my, where's my path? And after a full year, I felt like this voice arose in me become a yoga teacher and help others on their path of health and wellness. And I feel as soon as I heard that voice, I had been very patient, Yolanda. I was not patient as soon as I had my answer. It, you know, within two weeks, I had a plane ticket booked to Kathmandu to Nepal. Wow. I had a month sabbatical approved from work. I, and then I went to Kathmandu, paid the deposit and all that, and then showed up and did a month long teacher training program there. And of course, as soon as uh, I'd been there for 48 hours, I'm like, oh, I'm never supposed to stop. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
So came home, packed up everything, quit the job, and then moved to Cambodia on a small island to teach yoga. But then after Cambodia, I went on to do Thai massage training in India. I did Reiki training level one in, in Nepal, and I did my level two and three in uh, India as well in Rishikesh. I did more yoga training in Rishikesh as well. Um, and stayed in an ashram in the south of Indian Kerala. So I've done most, like almost all my training is India and uh, Nepal, but I've done like accessible yoga teacher training that is a US based institution. So I've done some online training in the US, but the physical ones always India or Nepal. That is fascinating. So just curious, like what was the time frame with all yeah. of that and, you know, that travel with your study? Yeah, so 2017 in July is when I did my first training. And then in November, I'd moved to Cambodia. And then I spent about five years living outside of the US, wow. continuing to do training and teaching. So I got gigs at surf hostels in Sri Lanka, at wellness centers in the Philippines, small, small little uh, private gigs in Greek islands. Like I've just kind of been moving around doing uh, a lot of different a lot of different things and a lot of different kind of uh, places and countries and institutions, but it's just been a joy to have all of that and have a five-year window, but COVID changed everything, right? COVID right. was wild. So I was in France with my husband during that. Um, things were locked down really hard. So I transitioned online. So I was teaching online classes and workshops and courses. And so now that I moved back to the US, it's almost been a full year, Yolanda. We're, we're coming up on that year mark, which is wild. Uh, it's been great to be doing more things in person and I'm located in Des Moines, which is the capital of Iowa, yeah. <laughs> just about five hours away from Chicago. Um, not, not bad, three and a half from Minneapolis. So I like Des Moines a lot, but I'm also really excited and gearing up for 2014 or 2014. Where am I in space and time? All right. <laughs> 2024 and for doing more international based retreats since I've been doing so many I've, I've moved myself and taught out of the country mm -hmm. and I interview yoga teachers from every country around the world so far I have on my podcast the wild yoga tribe I've spoken with 92 teachers in 92 countries on 92 episodes so with like this amazing community it's like oh, oh let's go there let's all go there and take classes and teach and celebrate and do retreats and stuff like that so I have to ask you a couple of things um, because I really want to get into the meat of this. I know we don't have forever, you know, uh, but do you, what would you say has been like the most enriching part of that? I mean, being able to study um, in various places, not just, you know, one country in particular, but to have um, taught or learned in various locations. Uh, did you notice any difference in the teachings themselves? Was there something that each place added a layer to for you? And why did you start with Cambodia as the first place that you went to? Was it just somewhere you desired to be? No, Cambodia was very random. It was oh. just really that. Um, so I'd been to Nepal and one of the people in my yoga teacher trainings, a, a few of us were nom decided to be nomadic. Yeah. And one person found a job on the small island and said they need two teachers. Any chance you want to go? I said, oh, yeah. So I was there for three months for the duration of my visa and then transitioned to after that was Thailand, where I did the Thai massage training um, and then Sri Lanka, where I taught at the surf hostel and then the Philippines, where I was in a wellness center. So just kind of moving every about three months, um, shifting based on 
visas based based on jobs what i could find and based on trainings that i'd want to you're do you're living so, the dream lily okay it was really i mean great. like do you know how many people that like have interest in any of this work i think it is uh like a fantasy for a lot of people like oh what if i could just go travel and study all around the world i mean i think of that time like i don't know what i would want to study but just the idea of being able to study um globally like i can't imagine how enriching that would be because you get the cultural kind of essence as well like not just the the technique and what it is but these other right so much right Mm -hmm. so I wanted to ask you about that because now you transitioned into being this international teacher and as you mentioned you have a podcast where you interview people who train from all different countries what was it that made you even want to um, like highlight that web of interconnection that we're all practicing this thing called yoga, but we're all in very different, diverse, um, a very diverse community. Absolutely. And I think what got me interested in it is when I love people, (laughs) I love people, I love conversation, but the pandemic really was kind of that, the cornerstone in which things shifted because I had been traveling and teaching And I've been interacting with yoga teachers from like my best friend next to me and my training was from Egypt. The guy across the mat was from Denmark. I go to Cambodia, teach with a French teacher. I go um, work in Sri Lanka and the other teacher is from the Philippines. Like it's just, everything is so meshy. And I loved it. I loved hearing from other people about their philosophies, their methodologies, their belief systems in terms of yoga and also how they're their own biology right. and biography, how that plays into what yoga is for them and for their communities. And I was loving it. And then when the pandemic hit and we, I just felt cut off from the world and from my community and from yoga teachers and that, that vibrant conversation. So I said, you know what, I, the, of course the universe gave me a few gifts and I never would have thought of podcasting without those universe dropping me little hints on the way, but I, that's why it got started is I wanted to continue having these conversations and not selfishly, not just for my benefit, but to shine a light on cultures and communities that are experiencing yoga, expanding because of yoga and what yoga changes for that person's life, for their family's life or for that communities. It's unbelievable. And there is things that are different. You know, if uh, a community is super religious in a certain way and yoga is perceived as a threat, that can be a really interesting conversation about how that teacher navigates or that studio owner, how do they market it or how do they make it more accessible? What spaces do they enter right. for that? I I think it is, it's just so, it is really, really powerful. What, what yoga brings and also how each teacher can infuse it with elements that make it more accessible for their communities. That's what I was curious about that lines of because I think you know maybe the commonalities would be more obvious to us like if you've practiced yoga and you notice the way that you connect to the body and the breath and you know it would seem like that in of itself would be universal within the practice right mm-hmm. however um, I was curious about what you've learned in terms of the difference and the reason is because I'm thinking of uh, there was this I believe they were French artists or photographers from I don't know what they considered themselves, but they did this amazing exhibit years ago, pre-COVID, and it came to San Diego and it was called 7 Billion Others. 
And they essentially went around the world to different um, countries and they went to um, different tribes and communities that were, you know, not often visited by, you know, outsiders, so to speak. They literally just went all over the place. But what they did was they asked everyone in all of the locations the same simple questions. Like if, what is love? Or um, if you could have anything in the world right now, what would it be? And it was just very interesting to see what the focus was based on where people were from. And it really gives a lot of, um, I think it was very humbling to realize, you know, like some people, the only thing in the world, if they could have anything was clean water. You know what I mean? And even though we know that there are places where this is, um, an issue to see someone's face and make that very human connection and hear that as, you know, someone in the West might say a Lamborghini. Do you know what I mean? Just the difference was astounding. So in with what you've experienced, have you noticed any um, interesting differences that seem to stand out of how yoga really benefits community or what the points of focus may be? Are there any variations? Yeah, in terms of how yoga can benefit a community and and what you just kind of mentioned is, we'll say I've had certain teachers express that yoga is a luxury. It's perceived as a luxury because it's not accessible, it's not affordable, or it's not in enough spaces where it's um, awareness is being driven or there's opportunities to practice in that regard. So what I love is when yoga is, and these teachers are just getting so creative. There's a yoga teacher, Ayusa Shamji, and she's in Tanzania. And she taught yoga in churches, mosques, and temples. She did all three. She just said, okay, in my in my community, we have a presence of all three religions. So instead of getting people to come to my studio, I'm going to start doing classes where these people are. And then soon people were learning okay, well, on Wednesday nights is at the church and Thursdays at the mosque, but I can't make my, I can't go to church this Wednesday night. So I'm going to go to the mosque the next day, even, even though they, you know, I was like, that's amazing that if if you, let's just say you are not um, Christian, you usually probably have no need to go to the church. So you maybe have never set foot in there before, but she was encouraging that cross pollination and so beautifully what a beautiful thing to spark. And then yoga teachers, um, every corner of the globe. But my, one of my favorite stories is uh, from Kenya, Samuel Muthama, and he was delivering water, like those big, big uh, clean water gallon jug things. And he was delivering it to, um, I, I don't wanna use the word slum. I think that might've been the word he used, but I am not sure he, I know he was delivering water to um, an area and he actually delivered it to a house that had interest or a, uh, a, a building. Uh, yes. I, I don't know the word. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm that's okay. For your listeners, I'm going to stumble through that a bit because I'm not. I'm trying to be politically correct to make sure I honor his language and the words he chose. But I interviewed him over a year ago, so I'm a little ro- uh, rocky. But I do remember he delivered it, and there was this beautiful artwork. And it turns out it was a yoga teacher's house, and she told him what yoga was. And at this point, he was delivering water to earn money and also uh, dealing drugs. So he was, him and his brother were drug dealers. And then when they got to know yoga, they got sponsorships to go study uh, with the Africa Yoga Project, which is actually in Kenya. 
um, yoga changed his life in that he got out of drugs and can get an income from his family. He inspired his brother to get a training. And so now their entire family like has enough money to put food on the table and, you know, live and in a way in which they have just so I just the vibrancy that Samuel has the joy of what yoga has brought for his life. It is unbelievable. And I've taken his class. He teaches online on Zooms very frequently. So if anyone wants any information, please feel free to message me or at wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Kenya. I know I always organize it that way. So if you want to get to know Samuel, he'll all of his links will be there. But yoga can bring a lot, can give a lot, right? Right. You know, it, it's um, a couple of things. I'm so curious just about what you have been exposed to and what your experience has been, um, through yoga. It's interesting, even thinking of how that shifted and changed his life so much, but listening to your story, I mean, look, it took you literally around the world. It inspired you to leave your corporate job and then go and connect with yourself in a deeper way. And then it's interesting how you just never know how things will unfold, but when you follow whatever that divine inspiration may be, I mean, it's, it's just incredible what can happen. But what would you say in your relationship to yoga, how it has contributed to your life experience as a practice in of itself, but then also how this um, opportunity you've had to travel the world and practice in so many different places with so many different people, how did that layer also contribute to who you are? as a human, you know, especially in this world with so much going on, it it just, it just seems like you must have a very unique point of view. Yeah. Wow. Those are two big, beautiful questions. And so I'll answer the latter first. I feel that by traveling the world, by studying with people from around the world, it's, it's given me gifts that I can't begin to name, but I think it has made me very, very open, open-minded. I feel like I can hold space for a lot of different people, personalities, perspectives, histories, all of that. Um, I know that DEI is a big topic and belonging in our, in the West, at least, we're certainly top of mind. And it's not, it's something that feels really natural to me because of course you belong, like everyone belongs and it is, it's, it's beyond my comprehension that people could feel or that yoga teachers especially could create a space in which people do not feel like they belong. So that's something that is very at the center of my heart that everyone is welcome, you are welcome. Uh, No matter if you walk in or you wheel in or no matter what, there's no limits, you are welcome. And that's something that's yeah at the center of my heart. And it is probably a gift of me being immersed, like living in cultures and community. I'm not visiting, buying a magnet, staying at a four-star <laughs> resort and leaving. That's not me. I am, I am cooking with the families. I am, I have all my, you know, I just, I'm in, in there for months. And granted, that's not two years. It, that, it is a very different landscape. I know when people are living for, I, I have lived a year in Greece and total, and then two years in France, but um, four months India total, like everything's more in the month range for right. me other than those two countries, but, uh, three months, two months here and one month for everywhere else, maybe ballpark it at 20 countries, but, um, just great, great gratitude. Just, and I have enormous gratitude. What it's changed in me too, Yolanda is every time I step in the shower, 
oh my gosh, what a celebration. I went a whole year without hot water. And every time I can, yeah, open my tap and fill up my water bottle and it's safe or I bite into an apple and I, you can't eat an apple in India unless you peel it or else you boil it or else you have sanitizing spray. You know, there's, I can just bite into that apple. And it's, there's a lot of gifts that we forget when we live a life of such luxury and privilege. And just those reminders um, that I have daily, that essence of gratitude, I hope extends into my teaching, extends into my community and my network. And I think that um, yoga also, Yolanda, in the West can feel a little bit sometimes like Starbucks. Like mm-hmm. you go to a class, you it's like an ice vintage, decaf, half cap, not that <laughs> lot. You know, like you feel like that's your experience of yoga. Mm-hmm. And so what I feel very grateful for is that because of the diversity of my experiences is that I feel very confident and comfortable not being a half calf not that decaf latte I, I am like the classes I teach are more have more breath have yeah. um, not that I'm better than any teacher but just the experiences have made and given me the gift to be not as uh, in a container right and so I love that I can also bring that to students um, through online courses or through working in person as well because there is a lot more to yoga than just that one studio on the corner on your main street there there is more to it and whether that scares you if you're like oh that sounds too spiritual oh that sounds too woo woo it's not necessarily what i mean there's also scientific benefits or there's um different layers there's the physical mental the emotional the spiritual the environmental and i hope i can bring an element of all of that yeah there's two things um you just made me think of that I have to ask you, but I want to make sure that we talk more about your offerings before we go as well. But when you said about like, oh, you know, I was here for a few months, a few months, a few months, what came through so loudly is like how exposure could be in like, uh, just in a single moment, things can change us, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure whatever the length of time you were somewhere, whatever it is that we're exposed to, it can just be a moment that changes us in such profound ways but you also just made me think of when you were saying um about you know it's not too woo woo it's more open in this and you were saying how inclusive it all can be um a lot of people may have an idea of you know I'm not flexible they think they're not compatible with yoga if they don't think they're already like this flexible in shape person and you mentioned that yoga is very multifaceted essentially right and I believe you even mentioned you know if someone was even in a wheelchair they're like welcome to come so could you just very quickly share with people some (laughs) elements or aspects that are of benefit to us through the practice but also why it's not limited to like you have to be in shape and flexible to come practice yeah, I think Instagram and social media has not done us favors, Yolanda, when it comes to the idea of what yoga is. Because right. uh, even yoga teachers from Sudan or you know anywhere, they'll say, oh, people either think it's just sitting cross-legged in meditation mm-hmm. or will think people are bendy like pretzels, right? And I was never a dancer. Uh, I do not have a, a hyper-flexible body, even though I practice yoga for over half my life. I cannot get my feet behind my head. I can't, you know, and that's probably in my lifetime not going to happen. And yoga isn't about the flexibility of the body. Yeah. Yoga is about developing and cultivating a flexibility in your mind. So you need to have 
or you will gain more space and breath for discomfort, for self-awareness, for reflection, and for self-care. Um, let's say that you struggle with insomnia. Can yoga help? Yes. If you have back pain, can yoga help? Yes. If you struggle with mobility, like if you're someone who has a recovering from a shoulder injury or you've had a hit surgery, you know, like any reason for your mobility to be decreased, arthritis in the joints, anything, can yoga help? Yes. The physical benefits, it's obvious. And I think it's proven and your doctor maybe has maybe mentioned that to you. And that's even happening in countries like um Colombia they're saying doctors are saying hey maybe you should go to yoga and I love that doctors around the world are saying it right but some other benefits are community let's say that you don't feel like you're really tapped into a community you don't know how to maybe you're in a new spot new place when have friends or you're feeling lonely yoga can be an amazing community let's say therapy is not for you let's say you're struggling with something yoga can be enormously beneficial for your mental health it's quiet, calm, self-reflection, breath, um, self-care. It's time away from technology, which I think we all know we have way too much time on technology. It's time to be with yourself instead of running away from yourself. I just, the gift that yoga gives is, it's whatever you need it to be. Like, what is yoga? It's what you need it to be. What is yoga really? Like the Sanskrit <laughs> um, ancient sutras will tell you it's union. And that's usually related in the last two, mind, body, spirit, unifying these three things. True, but there's more. So in, in the sutras, in the text, it is unifying your mind, body, and spirit individually with the cosmic. So it's about taking the individual to the infinite. So it goes past that even. But if is that what you want yoga to do for you, to connect you with some higher consciousness or power? Do you want it to just align your mind, body, breath, energy? Do you want it to just be a new circle of friends? Help you see, sleep better. Yoga is whatever you need, but I guarantee you, you do not need to have one type of body to show up. You don't have to have all four limbs to show up. If you can breathe, you can do yoga. And that is something any yoga teacher hopefully can convey to you. Any body can do yoga, any physical body and any person. <laughs> right. No, that's amazing. That's a beautiful message. I'm sure a lot of people listen to this and go, oh, wow, never thought of it that way. But it's beautifully articulated as well. You made me think of two things um, with the body, how you said you can't bring your foot over your head. I remember when I first started in yoga, I, you know, there's a lot, like I can't touch my toes to this day. I still, I just like my body said no, but I thought, I thought. I was like, oh, so easy for me to do the standing bow pose. And I loved the feeling of like just the stretch of it. And when I did yoga teacher training, I was actually doing it not correct. So my hips would open because I was an ice skater. So when mm -hmm. I was younger, I would ice skate and there's a, a um, position, I guess you call it. It's called the, um, my mind just went completely blank. Anyway because of how you would position your body in ice skating that's what my habit was of opening my hip a certain way but when I dropped and had my hip square I couldn't even either I couldn't and I was so sad I was like god I just want to bring my foot just because I like the fit that stretch there's something um that I love even when you're in yoga and the teachers will have you breathe into the pose and it something about that really helped me understand the relationship between mind, body, and breath. 
and how breath can help you like surrender and go deeper, but also the feeling it really emphasized just the body period because of feeling into the stretch. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It was no, hundred percent. Yeah. Like breathing matters. And when people are like, why are you telling me to inhale here? Why are you telling me to exhale? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, one, you know, it feels good. It's uh-huh. good for you. Two, it slows down your mind. It gives you something to occupy your mind. Three, there's actual an- anatomy, anatomical reasons to inhale at a certain point, exhale at a certain point, yeah. because your body, the space of your diaphragm, having it more filled with air or not filled will impact the pose. Yeah. especially in twists or if you're lying on your belly and you're doing smooth compression, I hopefully right. it makes a little sense, but yeah, beautifully. Yeah. It totally makes sense. So, so amazing. And I just want to say really quick too, with the mental health part, it's interesting you say, cause that's what brought me into yoga. Initially I was in, I was young. I was in like early twenties and in this like really stressful relationship. And for some reason decided to take a yoga class. When I tell you it, I went every day, Monday through Sunday, because that's how good it felt. It was like dissolving this anxiety that I had started to build. Uh, It was amazing. And that's why I fell in love with it. But in other news, um, I do want to make sure that everyone listening has an opportunity to connect with you and your work. So could you tell us about the podcast and what it is that you offer? Because you mentioned that people can do yoga with you online, but you also have workshops and retreats. So could you talk a little bit about all of that? Yeah, thanks, Yolanda. That's a very big gift. Uh, So my podcast is called Wild Yoga Tribe, and that's also the name of my brand and all my social media platforms. So if you want to connect and you're on TikTok or Instagram or Pinterest, uh, Wild Yoga Tribe, that's where you'll find me. So the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast, as I mentioned, each week I interview one yoga teacher from a different country, Uh, and those episodes come out on Friday and I'm almost near episode hundred. So I'm very excited. It's been a big journey so far and I do hope to make my way all around the world. Um, so if anyone does know a yoga teacher in Qatar or UAE, you just let me know. Um, and I, yeah, I love it. It's really beautiful conversations, always about 30 minutes long. And then on the website, there's going to be a transcript of the episode in case, Uh, it was hard to understand, or you want to read something again, um, there'll be, you know, blog around that space and then all the links to connect with those teachers too, which is beautiful. So let's say you really want to go to Spain and do a yoga retreat. And let's say you're planning a trip and you don't know what to do. Well, guess what? I have a teacher to recommend for you. So, you know, if you need connections, I'm also happy to recommend, or it's easy to search and find those too on the website. Um, so in terms of offerings, yeah, I do holistic health coaching. So if anybody is really feeling that call to kind of find a life or find a habit, routine patterns, whatever you're needing, or kind of moving through you that you feel like, oh, something's off or, Hey, I want to try going vegan, being plant-based, or I need to try some more relaxation. I'm boundary setting. Just let me know what you're struggling with. And let's just have a conversation, see what's moving through you and see if I can help. And that's how holistic health coaching works. It's Um, just a beautiful space and container to help you grow, grow in the way you want to grow. Right. And I do, uh, yeah, online workshops and you can find out more information at wildyogatribe.com. There's a whole section for courses and workshops and retreats. Um, none as we're, we're talking right now. So your listeners know just in July, um, probably this will go in August of 2023, but, uh, retreats are on the schedule are going to be announced, you know, on the schedule for 2024. So just keep an eye out. You can sign up for email list so that you can get notif- notified 
when things go live, or you can also uh, just keep an eye out on my socials where I am pretty darn active. So if something's coming up, you would see it there. Okay. Just want to ask you really quick for the retreat. So if anyone is interested in coming and practicing with you in this way, is it just for yoga teachers? Is it yoga teacher training or is it open to all levels of practice? Yep. Open to all levels of practice. Um, there will be some specific yoga teacher retreats. Mm-hmm. And if those are only for teachers, it'll be indicated, but definitely there are retreats for everyone as well. Yeah. Well, I have to tell everyone listening one, I have to thank you first, Lily, for coming to have this conversation. I mean, it really was interesting and beautiful to see the work that you are doing and the content that you provide so we can all have the experience of (laughs) even some of what you have done in real life. Um, But for everyone listening, if they go to your podcast, again, it is Wild Yoga Tribe, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can also listen through her YouTube channel. But if you go to the links beneath this uh, interview, you'll have the links for the Wild Yoga Tribe. And that's also her handle on social media. So thank you so much for coming to have this conversation today, my love. Thank you. Thank you, Yolanda. It's been a joy to be with you. Hey, and everyone else, we will see you soon. Bye for now. Okay, beauties. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I just want to thank Lily again for coming to share with us here on Reiki Radio. Don't forget, you can learn more about her work and listen to her podcast, Wild Yoga Tribe. You can go to her website, wildyogatribe.com and follow her on social media under the same name. And while you are doing these uh, searches, connections, (laughs) looking for ways to connect to your energetic alchemy, you can also go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com and sign up for the newsletter, get access to creating with the moon and stars, get access to 22 days of transformation for free. And if you download the Energetic Alchemist app, there is more content that you can access. There's so much there to support you on your path and Finally, I would love to see you in the upcoming class, The Ultimate Healing Guide, which is August 25th through 27th. It is live and virtual. Go to my website, register now, save your seat, and I look forward to exploring with you. Okay, that is it for today. Um, Thank you all so much for being here. And remember to always journey 